We are so caught up in our image that we may not be caught up in the real things that matter. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. Well, good morning, and it's another day in the Word as we continue to read through the book of Mark. If you have your Bibles, you can start turning to Mark chapter 12. The title of my message is A Sharper Image. These past two weeks, we've endured countless hours and multiple days of political branding through the Democratic Convention and the Republican Convention. Uh, It seems like our politics has evolved over time to be not about platform anymore as much as it is about personalities and image or branding. And so we're finding that that is a cultural reality today, that we are so caught up in our image that we may not be caught up in the real things that matter. Jesus is going to address that today as we dig into Scripture. So you're in Mark chapter 12. Let's start at verse 13. So they sent some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to him in order to trap him in a statement. They came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and defer to no one, for you're not partial to any, but you teach the way of God in truth. As we look here at this passage, it looks like there are some who've come to Jesus who are genuinely seeking truth. The reality is these are hypocrites. The hypocrisy of this moment, they are saying with their lips one thing, creating an image of we're here to seek truth, but in reality their hearts are far from God. Uh, That word hypocrisy has been thrown around so much over the years that I think we've lost its true meaning. People say there are way too many hypocrites in the church, and that's why I don't go to church today, or this or that. And I don't think they even know what a hypocrite genuinely is. We've talked about this before, but in classical Greek, the word hypocrite actually means someone who's pretending to act like someone else. It became very popular as they would do modern plays of that time. Uh, they only had actors. They only had men who were a part of plays. And whenever there was a need for a woman, they would dress up the part a male as a female, and the term hypocrite came about. Now, in our generation, when I was growing up, here's my picture of a hypocrite right here. Uh, You remember Mrs. Doubtfire? Some of you may never have even seen that movie. You may look at that and say, is that Bill's grandma? No, that's Robin Williams, the comedian who's no longer with us, but played the part of Miss Doubtfire. That would be a modern-day reality in the acting realm of a hypocrite. And that term became adapted to those who claimed to be something that they actually were not. That's what we find right here in this passage. We find uh, these people who've approached Jesus. They're very religious. Notice they had their labels and they had their titles. It was the denominations of their day. We see that they brought the Pharisees and the Herodians. They team up together and they're playing games with Jesus. And there are a lot of people who do that today. A lot of people who wear a label. A lot of people who would consider themselves a disciple, who would consider themselves a follower of God, and yet in reality, their heart has never been changed. They're still separated from a holy God, not because they're not going to church or they do go to church, but because they've never given their heart to Christ. They may have a religion, but not a relationship. So we're back in Mark chapter 12, verse 14, and we find Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, is going to confront them 
about the games they're playing. Verse 14. So they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you're truthful and defer to no one, for you're not partial to any, but teach the way of God in truth. So is it lawful to pay a poll tax to Caesar or not? Shall we pay or shall we not pay? But Jesus, knowing their hypocrisy, said to them, Why are you testing me? Bring a denarius. Bring one of those denarius to me and let me look at it. And so they brought him one. And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, it's Caesar's. And Jesus said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were amazed at him. As we dig in here, we find Jesus dealing with uh, hypocrites. Those who weren't the real deal, but those who actually were playing games with them. I don't know if you've ever felt like the whole world was against you. I promise you Jesus did. Because it seemed like all of Jerusalem now is starting to turn. And, and all of the people of Israel, the religious people at least, are now looking for a way to discredit him and to put him away. There is a reality that simply is struggling in this city to figure out who this Jesus is. At this time, Judaism was divided into many sects. You had the Herodians that are mentioned here. Herodians were the far left. These were Jews who had made peace with Herod. Uh, They wanted to to establish a power group and have uh, their political power restored in their community. And it was a very secular approach, even though they called themselves Jews. Then you had the Zealots. The Zealots were the far right. They were the nationalists who wanted the Romans completely out, and they were militant radicals, and they were going to bring it with their weapons and with their force and restore Israel back to all their glory. Those were the zealots. Then you had the Pharisees who kind of tried to play the middle ground. They tried to be traditionalist and tried to be true to the word, uh, tried to be spiritual to a point, but developed a religious legalism. And then you have the Sadducees. These were people who didn't have a very strong faith at all, uh, but they were the ones who controlled the priests who were leading out in the temple. And so you have all these different groups, much like you might even find in our modern day world, who wore a label but didn't have a heart for God, who thought they were serving God, who thought they were doing God things, and yet did not know the God they supposedly served. What's interesting, if you go back and look at history, these particular groups each hated each other. That's why they were their own separate group. And apart from this issue, they were completely separated from one another. They were always fighting against the other and and, and had no respect. But now, all of a sudden, in their common heartbeat to discredit Jesus, they've come together to form a wicked Alliance. They had a whatever-it-takes attitude to get rid of this problem in Israel named Jesus. They were willing to compromise. They were willing to lie and to deceive. And eventually, they'd even settle for this man to be murdered. All in the name of God. So they formed this alliance. They began to scheme together. And they tried to discover a way that they might discredit or destroy Jesus. So in one of their committee meetings, someone comes up with the ultimate trap. Let's bring them this question. Let's get the people fired up. Let's combine our politics and our religion. Have you seen how volatile that can be, especially in our day and time? What we're going through as a nation right now, you start mixing politics and religion, and man, you get nitroglycerin. Well, the same was happening in this moment. 
we get to another passage in Luke's gospel that tells us really what was going on behind the scenes. I'm going to put it up on the screen. You don't have to turn there. But Luke chapter 20 and verse 20. Luke reveals that their tactics and their motives look like this. He said, so they watched him. They sent spies who pretended to be righteous. Luke explains that these hypocrites were claiming to be one thing, pretending, but were really something else on the inside. They were pretending to be righteous in order that they might catch him in some statement so that they could deliver him to the rule and the authority of the governor. They weren't seeking Jesus, and they really didn't want to know the answer to this question. They just wanted to create a ditch for Jesus to fall into so that he would lose his following and Jerusalem could go back to their old ways of religion. Well, let's go back to Mark chapter 12 and verse 14. Let's go back and look at the question, and let's see how Jesus deals with it. Verse 14, here was the question. Teacher, we know you're truthful, deceit. We know you defer to no one. We know you're not personally, that you teach the way of God in truth. They didn't believe that. And yet they're saying the right things, trying to lure Jesus into the trap. Is it lawful to pay a poll tax to Caesar or not? Shall we pay it or shall we not pay? Now, why was this a trap? What was so uh, difficult about this question? What was so um, uh, divisive about how he might respond to this very simple question? Well, they knew in this moment that if Jesus said, no, don't pay Caesar, the Romans would execute him for treason that he would be creating a riot in their city. And in those days, they didn't allow for riots. Or if he said, yes, pay what is belong, pay this tax to Caesar, then those of the Jewish ancestry would totally rebel and would no longer follow him because now he was aligning himself with the Roman occupation. Either way, they realize we win. If he says no, we win. If he says yes, we win. Problem is, he doesn't say yes or no. Let's go back and look at it. Look at verse 15. So as they test him, uh, Jesus responds not with the answer to their question, but with another question. Why are you testing me? Bring a denarius for me to look at. So they brought him one, and he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, It's Caesar's. And Jesus said to them, Render then to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were amazed at him. So to answer their hypocrisy, this hypocritical question, he asked for the coin that everyone in town had. Matter of fact, they had some on them. One of these wicked coins and this wicked tax they were already having on their person. And they extended that out to Jesus. Now, remember, this was like our pike pass. It was a tax that everyone had to pay if you wanted to to uh, live in that area and have the blessings of a government. And you can actually see the coin uh, right here on the screen. Uh, it has Caesar's image on it. But look at that phraseology all the way around that coin. As you take a look at it, the reason this coin was considered so wicked and this whole issue so divisive is by what is on the coin. Not just the image of Caesar, but the declaration. You see, that translates there on the coin... Tiberius Caesar Augustus, son of divine Augustus. This was Caesar declaring himself to be the divine one that all should worship, that he was Lord over all. So when you look at that, it was blasphemous. 
And the Jews hated this coin, and they certainly hated the blasphemous tax. So Jesus said to them, verse 20, Whose likeness, whose image is this inscription? And they said to him, it's Caesar's. And he said to them, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Notice Jesus' answer. By the way, he has all the answers. Any questions you might have, even if they aren't coming from the best spot, he always has the answer. Whatever you're looking for today, whatever you might be confused about, Jesus has the answer for he is the way and he is the truth. He is the life. He has the answer. Sometimes he may respond with a question, but ultimately he will lead you to discover truth if you really are genuinely looking for truth. And even when you aren't, even when maybe you don't have the purest of motive, even when maybe you're not even pursuing truth, Jesus will bring you truth every single time. Now, can you imagine what Jesus was thinking in this moment? As he's now holding this coin, and as he looks down and he sees Caesar's image, but then he reads the lettering, the divine one. Can you imagine in that moment what he was thinking? Here's one of his creation that is playing the role of the creator. Here's one who's claiming to be divine. When he's the divine holy one, it would have been very easy for him in that moment to rebuke Caesar and, and to play that spiritual high ground. And yet Jesus responds in a, whole different, in a whole different way. He said, whose image is on the coin? He draws them back to the reality of what belongs to who. It's Caesar's. It's Caesar's coin. It's his image. It belongs to him. Jesus validates in this moment, too, that there are things that we should do at times. Taxes should be paid. If we want the protection of our government, if we want the services of our government, taxes, he doesn't say you shouldn't pay a tax, but he also is getting to a deeper issue. We're going to see that in just a moment. For verse 17, look at it again. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. He said, if Caesar has his image on this coin, then it's his. Look for where the image is, and you know who it belongs to. And so then he adds something to it that we all need to see. Some get stuck at the first part. Uh-oh, we got to give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Are we supposed to do what everything our government says? That's a big dilemma right now in our COVID reality. There's a deeper issue here besides just honoring everything about the government. He wasn't saying honoring everything that the government does. He was simply saying that tax belongs to Caesar. You live in his government. He's providing you services. You need to pay that tax. His image is on it. It belongs to him. But then he says something very profound. But make sure you also know you give to God what belongs to God. Now, how did they know what belonged to Caesar? He said, if his image is on it, that belongs to Caesar. How do we know what belongs to God? Well, we know, keeping that context, has there ever been anything that God has stamped his image on? It's interesting. Matter of fact, in Scripture, uh, idolatry was trying to put God in some kind of an image uh, or different gods in an image, and we are instructed in the commandments not to do that. So has there ever been a time God has put his image on anything? The answer is yes. The answer is you. God has placed his image on you. Where do I get that? Well, let's take a look. Let's go back all the way. It might be hard for you to find this this morning. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. If 
Find Genesis chapter 1 this morning and go to verse 26. The very beginning, the genesis of all of creation. You know the verse, Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we were made in the image of God. And as we see this, we know that God placed his stamp on us. That we were created to be his and his alone. And yet sin has separated us from the one who desired relationship with us. The holy God who created us to glorify him in all the earth, we were separated from because we chose unholy things. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of his glory. And so we find that while we were created in his likeness and we were created by him for him, where do we see that? Well, let me put a verse up on the screen for you, Colossians 1.15. For now it draws our attention to Jesus, for it says he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So now we went from being created in his image to now being a distorted image, so now Jesus takes on flesh and brings to us who the image of God is, so that he might restore us back to that. But look at verse 15 here again. He says, for he's the firstborn of all creation. Now, someone look at that, and that looks like there was a beginning. He was firstborn, and then we were born. No. What this is speaking of is where it means he came before. Uh, I'm the firstborn in my family. Um, I was born before my brother. Now, that's a bad analogy. That's a human analogy. This is not saying there has been a point in time when Jesus was born he has always been. He is God. God has always been. There's no, been no beginning. There's no end. He's the Alpha and he's the Omega. This term firstborn, though, literally refers not to time, but to, play, but to place or status. Jesus Christ was not the first being created, since he is the creator of all things. It's simply saying he was before we were, before mankind was. He is the creator, verse 16. For he goes on to clarify, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or minions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him, but notice this, and for him. So what we find, what Paul was revealing, is that when we talk about this image, Caesar had his image stamped on a coin. We know that God created, we were created by God, here it says, Jesus is God. He was God in the flesh. We were created through him. He wasn't a created being that came later. He is God who created you and me. And when we were created, that image was stamped on us, but then sin would taint the image. Jesus is the image of God. That means manifestation. It doesn't mean a copy. It doesn't mean a look-alike it's actually the manifestation of God. God in the flesh. A totally different meaning than an image that was placed on a coin. So now we see here in Colossians, he lives in us. And he lives in us so that he can transform us back into being image bearers and glorifying him. For we were created through him and we were created for him. This image bearer, Jesus, comes to live in our hearts. That's called salvation. But in our salvation... He then sanctifies us. He transforms us into being the image of God. Now, John chapter 14, verse 9, you can write it down in your notes. 
Jesus said, if anyone has seen me, they've seen the Father. Now, we know God is spirit. He doesn't have a nose. He doesn't have eyes. Uh, he doesn't have hair. But God chose to become flesh, Jesus, so that we would have the image of God among us. And now, in us, Christ in us, the image of God works out of us. Let me show it to you a little bit others. Turn over to Colossians chapter 3. Stay with me. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. Paul would go on to teach the deeper truths of what it meant to know Christ and to be the image of God. He says, put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. That as we are saved, as Christ comes to live in us, it's not something we just have a ticket to go to heaven. It is a transformation that happens in our lives. We go from being an old creature, lost in sin, corrupted, to now becoming image bearers once again as we transform in the likeness of the one who lives in us. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Again, Paul brings us similar teaching. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Paul was teaching them that that's who Christ is in you, the hope of glory. That Christ not only comes in to change you, to forgive you, and to take you to heaven one day, but he comes in to do a transformative work in your life, to conform you back into the image of a holy God. We were created to be image bearers. That people should look at you and me, just like when they looked at a coin, they immediately noticed, hey, that's Caesar. That's him. I, I, I see his likeness. We're walking coins, or we should be. But I wonder when people look at our lives, when people look at me, or when people look into your life, are you a picture of Jesus? Or are we a picture of something else? Are we an obstacle or a stumbling block? The people truly seeing Jesus, for we are to be transformed into his image. Well, let's go back to Colossians 1.16. Let's dig it out. Look at what it says again. At the very end, for all things have been created through him and for him. He transforms us into his image so that he can use us for his glory. So that he can shine through us and so others can come to know the Jesus who transformed our lives. Psalm 24 verse 1 reminds us that we are not our own. Uh, nothing is. Matter of fact, Psalm 24 and verse 1 would say that the Lord has created all things. Remember, all things were created by him, through him, and for him. But now we get to, uh, to Psalm 24 1. He says, the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. Caesar was declaring I'm Lord over this territory. The Lord Jesus would say, no, I'm Lord over all. I desire to be your Lord, your Savior. All of it belongs to the Lord. So yes, we need to understand we are the image bearers of God, but we belong to him. He doesn't belong to us. He's not our God, a puppet on a string that just beckons our everyday prayers. But when we come to true salvation, we come to Christ and Christ comes to live in us, the image of God. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God comes to live inside of us. He then transforms us, and the Spirit of God flows 
out of us. So we need to understand we are not our own. We were created by God, transformed by God for his glory. And that all that I am and all that he has blessed me with, everything on this earth and all that dwell on this earth belong to God, all that I have, it's not mine. It's not my life. It's not my future. It's not my family. It's not my church. It's his church. It's not my day. It's not my resources. It's not my talent. All of it belongs to the one who created us. He is Lord of it all. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19 reminds us, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit now, who is in you? Now he's talking to those who have been transformed. Those who have allowed Jesus to truly be the Lord uh, of their heart. The one who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. I think sometimes we cling to Jesus. We want Jesus because we want to go to heaven or we want to be forgiven. But we forget that it's an exchange. I exchanged my old life for this new life. It is a surrender going from bondage to sin to now becoming a bondservant the Lord Jesus Christ, a surrender of all things. I am not my own. Verse 20, for you've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. There are things that we have to deal with here in this physical realm, government issues, things of physical life. But then he says, but give to God what is God's. And what has God stamped his image on? You and me. And he desires to transform you back into his image as you enter into a personal relationship with a holy God through Christ Jesus. Has that happened for you? Has there been a moment in time in your life story where you've come to realization that you've sinned against a holy God and that you're separated from him and that your only hope is not to become a Pharisee, a Sadducee, a Zealot, a Herodian, a Baptist, a Methodist, a Catholic, a label, but you've come to realize I'm bankrupt. I'm empty, and my only hope is Jesus. I'll never forget that realization when God revealed himself to me, and I finally got it for the first time. And I'd been going to church, and I'd been trying to clean up my act, and I'd quit going to some of the parties I'd been to, and I was trying to really improve my life, trying to create a new label, going to a Baptist church with Cammie. But then I came to realize it isn't about a church or joining a church or quit doing this and start doing that. I had to deal with Jesus. And there was that defining moment when I said, Lord Jesus, I need you. You are the way, you're the truth, and you're the life. I need you in me. Well, as we dig through this, we come to understand Jesus was trying to get them to understand the reality. You don't live for religion. You don't play these games. It's an issue of the heart. And so as we close out this morning, I just want to encourage you to realize God has placed his stamp on you. I also want you to realize that sin has tainted the image of God in us and actually separate us from that holy God. And the only way we can be restored back to our original design is through being born again a second time. Now, for some of you, that's already happened. You have been born a second time. You know Christ, but perhaps you've gotten distracted in your journey. We'll come back to that in a moment. But for those of you who've never trusted Christ, I want to encourage you right now, right where you are, to call in the name of the Lord, to trust Christ in this moment, to trust him with all your heart, to quit playing games, 
Don't be the hypocrite and put on a plastic look and, and maybe a denominational label. But to be genuine in your heart and say, I need a Savior. That's you. Cry out to God right now and say, Lord, save me. And he will. Turn from your sin. Say, God, I turn from my sin. That's called repentance. Invite him into your heart. That's accepting him into your life. You are choosing to make him the Lord of your life. Say, Lord, I choose you to be my master, my Lord, my Savior. I open the door of my heart and I invite you in. The Bible says that you become a new creature just now. That the one who created you, created you for him, but now he lives in you and will transform you back in the glory of who he is. Reach out to our online pastor. Would you do that? Go over to the chat box and just say, today I prayed with pastor. Mail us, email us rather, ministry at pcbc.tv. Let us know what God's doing in your life. And, and I want to speak to the rest of you. Maybe you've already done that. Maybe you've already trusted Christ. Many of you have. But my question for you today is, when people look at your life right now, just like they looked at that coin, that's Caesar. That's Caesar. Look, that's Caesar. When they look at you, they say, there's Jesus. I see Jesus in them. And already by me asking that question, the Holy Spirit's already speaking truth to your heart. And if already you're squirming in that question, if you're already struggling in that, if there's this little angst that's there, it's a conviction of the Holy Spirit to remind you that there's an area of your life where you need to repent. Even after we're saved, we still have to deal with sin. We still have to confess our sins, and He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So I want to pray for you this morning as you pray to your God. Let me pray. Father God, I pray for each and every one who's worshiping right now that God you would speak to their heart to my heart Lord just as you have all this week as I've been preparing this message Lord the challenge not trying to be like you but to simply allow you to flow and glow from us Lord that we would be your image bearers in all the earth and God I pray you would forgive us where we fall short of your glory where we have been a distraction to somebody else who doesn't clearly see you because of a choice we've made, a habit that we have, or simply because we've not been abiding in you. Lord, I pray right now that as we confess that sin, that you would cleanse us, that you would remove all of that, and Lord, you would continue to transform us into your image so that the world would see the light of God shining from our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you are that kind of God, a God who loves us, a God who died in our place, so that you might live in us to transform us into your image. Lord, we love you, and we look forward to what you're going to do in the days ahead, for we ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. Be blessed this week, and shine the light of Jesus. Don't try to live for him, you let Jesus live through you, and people will see the glory of God. God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus' name. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.